we are talking about things that we wish Jesus didn't say. There are things in Scripture that really um, kind of push us the wrong way. We spent two weeks on the passage that says, if you come after me, you have to hate your mother and father and your wife and your kids and even your own uh, life. We spent two passages working through that. We spent a week on love your enemies. Uh, agape your enemies for those that were here that day and last week we talked about the narrowness of truth and we said truth is narrow and I don't much like it that Jesus said a narrow is a way and few will be that will find it don't much care for that and then the tail end of that passage is wide is the road and wide is broad is the gate that leads to destruction and many will be on it I don't care too much for that passage of scripture but we must deal with that and we dealt last week with the realities that truth is narrow and we dealt last week with the realities of heaven and hell all four of those messages are on zinyanaz.org if you would care to uh, listen to those that you missed or forward those on to someone else uh, this week's message is um, especially tough uh, for me because it convicts me and um, it just, it nails me. Because Matthew chapter 5, uh, Jesus says in part of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says in Matthew 5, You have heard that it was said, don't commit adultery. But I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery in his heart. I don't like that passage because that makes me an adulterer. It makes most of you all adulterers too. There may be one or two of you that are super saints, but. According to Jesus, I'm an adulterer. Never committed the act of adultery, but I've let my mind go to places that it didn't need to go. And according to Jesus, I've committed adultery in my heart. So I think it's obvious why I don't like that passage of Scripture. But it's one that we need to be able to deal with. Scripture continues, if your right eye, and literally, you know, they said, well, why did he say right? Why didn't he say left? Well, right eye would have just meant, he meant the stronger eye, like my right-hand man. He meant the stronger eye. If your right hand causes you to stumble, gouge it out and throw it away. It's better for you to lose one part of your body than for your whole body to be thrown into hell. You know, if someone come to me with some issues, sexual issues, I wouldn't have told them to gouge their eye out. But Jesus did. I would have, wouldn't dare say that to anybody because I'd want to be more compassionate than that. I'd want to be more merciful than that. But the one who was more compassionate than any of us said that. Why did he say that? We obviously don't take that literally. 
Because if we took that literally, it'd be the blind teaching the blind this morning, right? If we took that literally. So this is one of those passages of Scripture that we've, that we've defined here in this series as, 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 as Jesus is exaggerating to make a big point here. Hyperbole. Just like I knew that when my, my mom said, if you do that again, I'm going to skin you alive. Now, I knew she wasn't going to skin me alive. That was my mom speaking with hyperbole, just like Jesus did. Does Jesus really want us to go around with, with tearing out our, our right eye or both of our eyes? Does he really want us to self-mutilate ourselves? Evidently, we don't think that because there's no one here that has done that. No one that has taken that verse seriously. So what does Jesus mean by this whole passage? Well, obviously he means what is normally taught here, that Jesus is showing that, that, that sin is an inside job. Sin is just not an external manifestation of, of, of an act. It's, it's something on the inside, and, and that's the way this gets preached, and that's right. I've preached it that way before. The thought is the father of the deed. You've got to get down below the act You've got to get way down, but that what generated that act, where the root of that act is, that's where Jesus wants to get at. That's where he wants to be. And that's why he said he goes all the way back to that desire, that inordinate desire that you have for someone who is not, you're not in a covenantal marital relationship with. And, and so that, that's obviously what it means. It, it's, it's, it's changing the definition of sin for, for the act of adultery and and, and it's, it's taking it all the way back and said, maybe you haven't committed the act, but this is what I want at right here. I don't want you to even be the kind of people who think about it and fantasize about it and fondle that thought. That's where it begins. And, and of course, Jesus is saying, Jesus said about 520 of Matthew or something like that, he said that uh, your righteousness has to be more than the, than the Pharisees to, for you to enter the kingdom of heaven. And the Pharisees' righteousness is they didn't do what they weren't supposed to do, and they did what they were uh, supposed to do, but their minds, their minds were messed up. Jesus said about the Pharisees, he says, you clean the outside of the cup, but you leave the inside still dirty. He says, your, your righteousness has to be more than these people who just don't do what they're not supposed to do and do what they're supposed to do. Your righteousness needs to be deeper than that. And that's why he goes to the, the, the fact that sin is an inside job. And, and that's what Jesus means. And it's, it's, you've heard that taught. I've taught it. and I'll teach it again. That's what he is at here. But there's, there's something else that I want to get to this morning. With this radical language of of, of ripping out your eye. And it's better for you to, uh, to be able to go around uh, life self-mutilated than it's for your whole body to be able to be thrown in hell. I think Jesus is just speaking this graphic, radical language to try to be able to tell us the absolute devastation of sexual sin in our lives. And you must do whatever you have to do in your struggle against it even if it's something as drastic and i'll even jesus says i'll even go to the weirdest example i can if you if you could just rip out your eye it's better for you to rip out your eye and have to go around life with just one eye than for you to deal with the consequences and the devastation of sexual issues in your life 
I don't know how, we talked several weeks ago, and I don't even remember in the context we were talking about it, but we, we said you can't grade out sins, like this is worse and this is worse than this, and this is worse than that, and this is down here, it's at the bottom, and this is somewhere in the middle. Now, you really can't do that, but it, there is some indication uh, in 1 Corinthians that, that, that sexual sin um, can be considered in a more serious way because it's when you sin sexually, you sin against your own body, and, the, and Jesus said, that the body is the temple, and Paul said, your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit. The devastation of sexual sin and the consequences thereof are awesome. And if you've lived more than about 20 years, or probably not even that long, you can name someone that is suffering the consequences of sexual sin. Those of us in here that are pastors, we can be able to talk to you about names and the people who have fallen. I don't know who's the first one to say, say said this, but... Um, this little statement really applies to all sin, but it certainly applies to sexual sin. Because somewhere along the line, I assume the evangelist came along and, and said that sin will take you farther than you want to go and leave you there longer than you want to stay and cost you more than you want to pay. That's especially true with sexual sin. It, it'll take you farther than you ever... Well, it was just a... It takes you farther than you ever want to go. It'll leave you there longer than you want to stay. And it'll cost you more than you want to pay. We in the ministry sometimes call this the Gilligan Syndrome. Some of you here are too young to remember the sitcom Gilligan's Island. Maybe you've seen it on the reruns. Remember the theme song? Sit right back and you'll hear a tale, a tale of a fateful trip that started from this tropic port aboard this tiny ship. The mate was a mighty sailing man, the skipper brave and sure. Five passengers set sail that day. What was it? For a three-hour tour. And people that enter into sexual sin, well, they didn't really mean, they just meant it to be a three-hour tour. And Gilligan and his pals stayed on that island for nine years or whatever. The sitcom lasted. <laughs> it was just supposed to be a three-hour tour. And I didn't really mean... I, 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 I didn't really mean for it to go there. I just meant for a little three-hour tour. Sin will take you farther than you ever want it to go. It'll leave you there longer than you want it to stay. A three-hour tour. It'll cost you more than you want to pay. You can't tell me that the prodigal son, when the, the prodigal asked his dad, can I, can I have my share of the estate right now? And his dad gave it to him. 
I think the prodigal was probably just going on a three-hour tour. He was going on a little fling. He certainly didn't think that he was going to end up fighting the pigs to get something to eat. He was just going on a three-hour tour. And you'll never convince me that, that, that when David looked down off of the balcony and saw Bathsheba, that David was just in for a three-hour tour. He wasn't in for the literal downfall of his life. You can trace David's life up to his adultery incident. And from them, his life went downhill. He was marvelously forgiven that, but he lost his family. He lost his kingdom. He had to, he had to commit sins to cover that up. He traced David's life. Everything was going great. Had the adultery. Trace it out. His life went downhill. His sons rejected, rejected him. It was just supposed to be a three-hour tour. Just a little fling. But it, 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 it took him farther than he ever wanted to go. He didn't know he was going to have to kill her husband. It left him there longer than he wanted to stay, and it cost him. It cost him much more than he ever wanted to be able to pay. I just think one of the reasons Jesus spoke in this graphic language is to remind you and me of the unbelievable, drastic consequences of sexual sin in our lives. And whether that sin was, was David's sin of adultery or whether that sin of the prodigal son that went away and wasted it, the scripture sell, says on wild living or whether it's pornography like Nate Larkin is involved in you don't know the name Nate Larkin guys that come to Manly Monday might remember this video Nate Larkin understands the devastation of sexual sin in his life. This, this video is a little longer than I am comfortable showing you, but I think it's worth it. Amanda? I thought that the day my story came out, my ministry would be over. Turns out that's the day it started. Reputation was everything for me. I set out uh, to build a good reputation and to protect it, which meant that there were parts of my life that I couldn't let anybody see. There were some battles I had to fight alone. I got my first look at hardcore pornography on a seminary-sponsored trip to New York City. My wife was with me. They took us on a tour of Times Square so that we could see firsthand how women are exploited by the sex business. I was shocked by what I saw and disgusted by it. But I was also fascinated. It hit me, hooked me deep. 
I didn't just like porn. I became obsessed with it. And it eventually took me places I never intended to go. So before I know it, I'm a, I'm a pastor, married, three kids, and I'm picking up my first hooker on my way to lead a candlelight service on Christmas Eve. I only lasted five years in the ministry. I was never caught, but I was terrified of losing my reputation. My life was out of control. I'd lost any hope that I could stop what I was doing, so I bailed on the ministry, went into business, succeeded in business. But that's about the only thing I succeeded at. Those were dark years. My life got smaller and smaller. I hated what I was doing. I remember so many times screaming at God as I pulled away from some place I shouldn't have been, banging on the steering wheel, saying, take this away. I don't want to do this anymore. He never answered that prayer. Eventually, I concluded that either he didn't care or he didn't exist. Today, I'm so glad he didn't answer that prayer. I think we're all made for intimacy. But intimacy carries its risks. People can reject us. People can disappear. They can die. Pornography offers this artificial intimacy with no risks. So every day I said hello to the, to the woman who wouldn't laugh at me or who found me attractive, engaging. And every day I gave a piece of myself away. It left me emptier and hungrier every time. And yet I kept coming back. I was oblivious to what it was doing to my wife. Until one day she caught me. I don't know how long she'd been standing there, but she was crying. And so I apologized and we talked it through. I was still afraid. A few days later, she found a, a condom on the floor in the bathroom that I couldn't quite explain. This time, she didn't cry. She sat me down on the edge of our bed and she said, I'm done. I still love you, but I don't like you. I don't trust you. I don't respect you. And I don't believe you can ever change. That's what it took for me to get out of my private world. Uh, in the first service, when I was playing that video, I was sitting there and the devil jumped on my back and says, says, why are you teaching this to a bunch of old people here in the first service? And he reminded me of two years ago when, um, if I call this person's name, you know it. <clears throat> And 73-year-old man was in my office talking to me how he's trapped in pornography. 
respected Christian person in this church. And a little while later, I met a 60-year-old man and very respected man in this church. Talked to me about his struggles with pornography. It wasn't too long after that that met with a 50-year-old man and couldn't talk to me further, hardly with, without crying and getting choked up. If we don't think this has invaded the church of Jesus Christ, we are naive. Ladies, if you don't think that your husband is at risk, you're naive. And this is not only a male issue. This is not only a male issue. And Jesus uses radical words to say, do whatever you have to do in your struggle against sexual sin because the consequences are great. The devastation is great. The Bible talks about this in several places, and I could just pretty much spend the whole 30 minutes repeating Bible verses if you wanted me to, but Galatians chapter 6. Now, don't be deceived, Paul tells you. Just because you haven't reaped any consequences yet doesn't mean that you're going to get off scot-free. Don't be deceived. He wasn't, uh, Nate, Pastor Nate wasn't caught in his ministry. He said, he said he resigned. He wasn't caught. He was caught years later. It took a while for it to all come falling down on him. Don't be deceived. Don't think you're getting away with it. Because there's a law that God has put into this universe that says, what you sow, you will reap. Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. Almost all of chapters 5, 6, and 7 are devoted to sexual sin. Which means almost one out of every ten verses in the book of Proverbs is warning about sexual sin. And that makes sense because the book of Proverbs is, is, is a father writing to his son. And any father will warn his son about this issue. And in the book of Proverbs, Solomon says, Can a man scoop fire into his lap without his clothes being burnt? Can a man walk on hot coals without his feet being scorched? So is he who sleeps with another man's wife. No one who touches her will go unpunished. The she in this is the adulterous woman. But this she could easily be just the attraction of pornography or the attraction of, of sexual issues, whether it be pornography or sexting or Instagram or wh whatever it may be, Snapchat, whatever it may be. I don't understand if you allowed Snapchat on your kid's phone. I just don't get it. it makes it so easy 
to send a, a lewd picture and then it goes real quickly, doesn't linger. With persuasive words, she led him astray. She seduced him with her smooth talk. That, listen how it describes the dumb man here. All at once, he follows her like an ox going to the slaughter. So how does the book of Proverbs see a man who follows the adulterous woman? How does the book of Proverbs see a man who's pulled to the magnet of pornography? It's just like a big old dumb ox going to slaughter. Like a deer stepping into a noose till an arrow pierces his liver. Like a bird darting into a snare, little knowing it will cost him his life. Now then, my sons, listen to me. Pay attention to what I say. Do not let your heart turn to her ways or stray into her paths. Many are the victims she has brought down. Her slain are a mighty throng. Her house is a highway to the grave leading down to chambers of death. I think Jesus is saying, man, let me tell you, plucking out your eye and going through life with one eye is not nearly as bad as the consequences of sexual sin in your life. And you'd much rather rip that eye out than you'd have to deal with the consequences from sexual sin. I wrote down this morning just some consequences that would happen to me if I fell. And now th these are personal, and you can be able to turn them around on you if you choose. But I just wrote them, I just wrote them for me. If I fail to sexual sin, displeasing God, whose opinion matters the most, untold hurt to my wife and best friend, Sue, loss of Sue's respect and trust, hurt to and loss of credibility with Christopher and Levi. If my struggle should continue or my family unable to forgive, I could lose my wife and my children forever. We had a situation in this church about a year and a half ago where a family exploded overnight. Disintegrated. Because of sexual sin. The consequences of sexual sin. Shame to my family with statements they'll have to deal with like uh, why isn't your daddy a pastor anymore having to face my mother and in-laws and extended family having to face my church board shame and hurt to my church family shame and hurt to the body of Christ Shame and hurt to my friends, especially those I've led to Christ and had an impact in their life. This is a big one. This is a whole sermon in itself, but this one's huge. Ladies, you don't understand this one. Some of us guys do. Plaguing memories and flashbacks that could taint future intimacy with my wife. We had a situation... Uh, while back with uh, a young married couple and the husband had some pornography issues and he shared it with his wife when he told me he shared it with his wife I was very concerned on what she said she was a she she was young and I was afraid she was going to be flippant about it and the worst thing in the world that a wife could be would be flippant about this and not understand 
the wedge that it can bring in your family. Number 13, loss of respect, discrediting my own name, invoking shame and lifelong embarrassment upon myself. And number 14 is having to start at 57 years of age, having to start a new career, fill out job applications. What in the world would I do for a living? I'd probably have to go sell insurance. What's the bad news? But there is good news here. There's freedom from the grip. It's not easy. It's really not easy. There's freedom from the grip of, of, of sexual addiction. There's freedom from the grip of, of, of sexual issues. There's freedom from the grip of, of pornography. There's freedom from that. And it all starts in one. There's lots of steps to that, but it all starts in one place. And it, and, and it starts with getting real about it. And, and, and no longer uh, putting on the face. No longer being worried about the reputation. Hating it so much in your life that you will, would, would rather have the public disgrace or the family disgrace or rather your secret come out than have to go along with this heavy, 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 heavy secret that you've been carrying for a while. Here's what our video has to say about that. Amanda? I always felt bad that I wasn't a better person. I even created this false self, this Saint Nate, that I tried to breathe on its own. I felt bad that, that Saint Nate could only live at church. Now I know that Jesus never loved Saint Nate, because he didn't make Saint Nate. He made me. Jesus loves me, wants a relationship with me. And that's the only real relationship there is. He doesn't want a relationship with the fake you. That's not even a relationship. That's not even a relationship. He doesn't want a relationship with Saint Nate. And there's some time in your life, if you're gripped by this in your life, there's, there's, there's some point that you've got to drop the Saint Nate and you've got to be able to, to drop the mask and you've got to come clean and, and, you've, and you've just got to be able to say, here it is, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And at that moment, you start a real relationship with Jesus. Because he doesn't want a relationship with the fake you. Because he knows all about the fake you. He doesn't want a relationship with the you that you show everybody at church. Oh, praise the Lord. Huh? He wants a relationship with you, with all of your warts and all of your wrinkles. And me, with all of my insecurities, with all of my sin, with all of my weirdness, with all of my brain that seems like it has a sexual thought every five minutes. laughing your way to a better marriage that we've done for the last three or four years. 
The presenter says to the females at one point, he says, if you knew how much us guys thought about sex, you'd be more disgusted with us than you already are. <laughs> Next cut on the video, please, Amanda. I don't think I ever really met Jesus until I stepped out of my, my church persona and became just another desperate, broken man. That's when he really became real to me. How do you get this out of your life? There comes a time and a place that you've got to get real. You got to do what that 73 year old did to my office and he came in and said, pornography has taken control. You, you've, you've got to come clean. And if, if it's not with me, that's absolutely cool. Find somebody. And if you're a female, it should not be with me. Don't come tell me about your sexual issues. Because the enemy could take that. And we'd both be in more trouble than we've ever been in. You find a woman to talk to. You find a woman to talk to. Someone who will keep you accountable. Someone who doesn't judge you. Someone who wants that out of your life as much as you want it out of your life. Someone that will ask you with a hard question. Someone that will go through the list of hard questions and then ask you the last question is, now have you just lied to me? I talked to a guy who had a sexting issue in his accountability brother called him one day said hey man how's it going and you know on the how's it going with with accountability guys you you know what that means and this guy said it was going fine as he was sexting somebody right then we're liars people who are addicted are liars call my office make an appointment with me Call another pastor's office. Make an appointment with him. Call a counselor. Call somebody. Want it out of your life so, so bad that you'll drop the mask and you'll get real. Church, we're putting our heads in the sand if we don't think this is a big issue in the church of Jesus Christ. The ability to fall in the sexual arena is greater now than it's ever been before because it's so much, it's so more prevalent today. It's everywhere. They use sex to be able to sell oil, filter, oil filters. They use sex to sell everything. I had to edit out the Gilligan's picture because Marianne's shorts were like up there. How, how naive of the seminary to take those seminarians to Times Square. How naive 
that those people could not possibly be affected long-term from that. How naive. I remember our district superintendent had a pornography thing for our pastors where someone came and talked about pornography and how we deal with it in our churches and so forth and so on. And during one of the talks, he, he flashed an image up there. And it, it wasn't a nude image, but it was <laughs> nude enough, I guess. I don't know. It, it, and he left it up there. And he left it up there for like a minute. And at the break, I went up to him. I said, you don't have problems with this, this issue, do you? He goes, no, I've never had problems with this. He, should, he said, that's why you left that up there for a minute. You need to have more respect for us that do and not leave that up there so we'll look at it. He didn't get it. He didn't get it. I'm hoping that, this, that none of you here have this issue and you're just bored silly right now. But I know better. I know that at least one people, and probably a lot more than one, that right now, that are looking at me, are struggling in the sexual area. And while this is prevalently a man's issue, the research is saying more and more females are getting involved in it as well. And if any of you females are not, are, are not having these issues, are not having these fantasy issues, and are not having these issues with lust, and are, are not having some of these things, if you're, if you're not having those issues, then, then, then praise the Lord. Help us with ours. Help us with ours. When you walk around... And it's just everything I can do not to have to go like this because your cleavage is bouncing in my face. You're not helping me. And you're not helping the rest of us. You're either incredibly naive or you're just willing to flaunt yourself. It's only those two things. You're either incredibly naive to how other guys see that. Or you just don't care and you want to flaunt yourself. Help us, ladies. Help us. Now, some of your husbands don't have the courage to talk to you about this. I'll talk to you about it. The devastation of sexual sin is huge. Whatever you have to do, Struggle with it. By God's grace, overcome it. The first thing is to get real about it. You know, the, the biggest verse that us Protestants disobey, don't you? Confess your sins one to another. Most disobeyed verse in all of Scripture. Even our Catholic friends have at least found a way to work that out most disobeyed verse in all scripture find someone to confess it to find someone that will keep you accountable find someone you can get real with and you don't have to be Saint Nate Jesus tells us 
to forgive 70 times 7. And that doesn't mean we have to forgive 490 and we don't have to forgive on the 491st, by the way. That was hyperbole as well. And if Jesus tells us to forgive 70 times 7, surely he will as we come back to him and we failed again. And we, and we come back to him after we failed again. Well, how many times will Jesus forgive? I don't know. But he's more merciful than we could have ever dreamed. He's more merciful than you could ever dream. If he wants us to forgive 70 times 7, wouldn't you think that he'd be willing to forgive 70 times 7 as well? Each day can be a new start. But let me tell you, I wish we could kneel at the altar and him smack us out over the head with his holy baseball bat and all of that is gone, but it doesn't seem like it happens till you get in someone else's face, face and say, can I have a conversation with you? Can I talk to you? Can I tell you something that I've never told anyone else? God knows you're serious then. This way you could still be trying to keep face. God, do something here in secret. Our ushers are coming to the tables and we remember the cross of Christ as I want you to remember the cross of Christ every single time you let him down. I hate to go back to him again. I just went to him last week on that. He's more merciful than you could ever dream. The Bible says when we sin, we have an advocate with the Father. We have an advocate with the Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't know where you are this morning is a tough message for an altar call because everybody, you know, the church, is, the church is so messed up because as soon as people start responding to the altar call, everybody goes, oh, oh, oh. we're so messed up. Get real with somebody. Fight it. The consequences and the devastation are unbelievable. Father, I just pray you take the truth of what I've tried to share. And I know that I know that I know that there are people here that need to hear it. Give them the courage to act upon it. Give them the courage to go talk to someone. Give them the courage to get real. Give them the courage to stop talking about, stop trying to be Saint May. Start having a relationship with you and not as to fake them. Father, take this message now and use it however it needs to be used. In Jesus' name.